Hello and welcome to Getting Naked with Happiness with me, Stephen Liu. Each episode, my guests will share personal stories of resilience and bear their emotions and minds openly. Learn from the wisdoms that they have gained through their journeys and create your very own well-being toolkit. My guest today is a survivor of the 2003 SARS pandemic. SARS, which stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, is a coronavirus which caused a pandemic killing 774 people worldwide in 2003. This is a special episode, especially in light of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, that is spreading rapidly around the world. Ashraf was hospitalized for more than seven days, but thankfully managed to survive the ordeal and is here today to tell his story. Okay, so um, my name is Ashraf. I'm born and raised uh, here in Singapore, local. Um, 28 this year, and uh, currently I'm a recruitment consultant with a company called McGregor Boyle. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much about myself. <laughs> you are a survivor of the SARS coronavirus many years ago. Yes, yes. I was uh, 11 years old uh, at that time, right? It is a long time ago, but at the same time, uh, it's still very fresh in my memory with regards to certain certain aspects of it, right? Uh, mm. what, what do you remember about contracting science? <clears throat> so, I, I remember, um, I think it was the week right after March holidays, right? Um, so, during the course of the week, throughout, throughout your you know, March holidays as a kid, you're going around, playing and all that. Um, but I remembered in the last, maybe like midweek, by, by Wednesday, Thursday, I started having fever. And it was during then that my mom said, okay, since, you know, all this thing is going on, let's just stay at home uh, and, and check on your fever, right? And uh, I think it gradually increased to a point where I was, gen- I, I couldn't even get out of bed. And so my, my mom, being my mom, she got really concerned uh, and she said, okay, let's, let's bring you to the doctor. Uh, and at that time, I was staying in Woodlands, but for whatever reason, she brought me to Yishun Polyclinic. I remember very clearly, mm-hmm. right? Because um, the GPs were all full and, and all that. So we went to Yishun Polyclinic and then they instantly took temperature. At that time, I think the uh, the virus was already well-known and established as an issue, right? Uh, they, If I remember correctly, they took some blood tests and, and, and things like that, right? So there's a lot of procedures that happened. And then mm. at that particular moment, um, they put me in a separate room. I remember I was alone. My mom couldn't come in. Nobody was there. Uh, a, a nurse eventually kept coming in to check on me and just gave me water. I think if I'm not wrong. Um, but right after, they put me in an ambulance and transport me straight to Tandoxing. Right? Um, and I think it was then <laughs> that I realized I <laughs> I was most likely in a terrible situation. Again, you know, mm. being a kid, you were like... Uh, what's going on? And then uh, my mom obviously was panicking and all that. Um, but yeah, so they brought me to Tan Tok Seng. And then when we reached Tan Tok Seng, uh, the, the thing I remember clearly was um, there were tents already set up outside, right? Um, so we, I didn't even, it didn't even reach the A&E. There was this um, well, triaging area, I suppose. So they brought me there and then they, again, in, in this weird, as a kid, I saw it as plastic caves and I just have to go into the plastic caves and these people with these suits coming up and start doing all the checks and making sure that I was okay, I suppose. Mm. Um, but that entire few hours 
now you know, well, seventeen years later, it's it's, it's clear. But in that in the, in the entire few hours, it was quite surreal, right? I mean, can you imagine as a kid, first you you are in the holidays and you were playing around, suddenly you had fever, and now you are in the middle of this plastic environment. Everyone <laughs> is just checking on you. Um, but yeah, that that was that was the part that that, that shook me. And then after that, well, I mean. The, the guys, uh, the, the medical professionals at Tantok saying absolutely amazing, right? So they made sure they took care of me. I was then warded. I, was, I had to stay in the hospital for about a week plus. Um, and then eventually cleared off it. And yeah, so I think the recovery period, I remember clearly they mentioned that it was quite fast. Uh, probably because I was a kid and my immune system was still quite strong. Throughout the course of it, you know, I, I couldn't get to meet my parents. I couldn't get to meet my well, sister. I couldn't go to school. Um, there were constant tests that was being done. The part that scared me the most was, um, yeah, that 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 uh, in in uh, Asian polyclinic when they said you have SARS. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think they said you you had you're suspected to have SARS. And look again again, um, I, I reckon it's very different compared to now, right? The difference then was you. As an eleven-year-old child, you do not have a handphone. Most kids nowadays do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do not have access to all these things. You are watching and you're hearing from adults uh, with regards to what's potentially happening, and all you hear from people around you and even adults is that oh, SARS is happening, and there, there are people who have died. And then when you hear a doctor come up to you and say you have SARS, then the first thought is you're gonna die, ah. <laughs> you know, like, I I will never admit now as a grown man that I. I cried, but I did, right? I was a kid. Um, and I was thinking, I genuinely thought for the hour plus, I, I was going to die. Um, and that, that, that's why a lot of the other memories during the time that I was warded and all that, it's, it's relatively vague, I'll be honest. But that period from Asian Polyclinic all the way to Tantok Singh was absolutely clear because... I was going to die. And that was what I kept think, thinking and telling myself, I was, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm never going to meet my parents again. I'm just crying and crying. Um, but yeah, look, uh, 17, 17 years later, here I am. Wow. And you see, it's, 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 it's also because, um, I mean, you know, growing up in an, an Asian Singaporean family, you know, my parents are those that, oh, if you're not feeling well, let's just go to a TCM and then get it fixed. You know, uh, if you're not feeling well, just self-medicate a bit or I'll make you some soup and you should be fine. You know? uh, so I've, like, that was the only time that I was actually hospitalized in, in the whole of my life, touch wood. Um, and so prior to that, no experience, no nothing, relatively protected, always had, uh, always just, you know, self-medicate, gone to TCM. And then the first time you go into a hospital, someone tells you you have SARS. It was traumatic, right? Um, was that? It was, was traumatic. Was that? I mean, because you, when you were in the polyclinic, when the medical or the doctor came to see you and said, that, hey, you are suspected of having SARS. How long after do you realize that you got SARS? Uh, the, the same day itself, right? Um, by the time I reached Tantok Singh, I think they did a few more tests. Um, I, I reckon at probably like four hours later, they, they told me that, yes, you do have SARS. You're going to be warded here. You're going to be quarantined. Uh, you won't have access to anyone else in your family. Your family now has to be checked. So eventually, they went on to check my parents, check my sister. They went to quarantine my parents as well, which means that I could not see them neither could they see me, right? Um, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was terrifying, right? I mean, <clears throat> again, as, as, a, 
as a kid, as a child, uh, you definitely want to be in the comforts of, of your family and knowing that they are okay while you also know that they are there to make sure that you are okay. Right? Um, and my mom has always been my support pillar. Lah. She was, she's, even, <clears throat> even growing up, like if I have tummy ache or whatever, she's always there. And having the, quite potentially the worst, <laughs> scenario, being in the worst scenario of my life at the time, and not having my mom around was, was definitely uh, not a good time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the, the only, uh, well, on, on the bright side uh, is that each and every medical professional from the nurses to the paramedics to the doctors, they, well, I, I, they, 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 they were nothing but but, but nice luck, right? And they were reassuring, saying that, yes, you do have this, um, but we'll take care of you and so on and so forth. So when <clears throat> I eventually got the news that I had, uh, well, I had SARS, uh, but the reassurance that I've gotten throughout that few hours already helped to subside the anxiety that I was already having, right? Um, which which definitely helps. And uh, But having said that, once you hear that word again, SARS, like, oh, no. <laughs> It's such a trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, you, you cool down, right? As a kid, mm. you, you you get into this panic mode and you get anxiety and you panic. And then uh, then once you start cooling down again, and because uh, I remember they had, they, it was outside, right? So it was a 10 page area with, with the plastic covers and stuff. And they, they had a fan. So it was helping with the fever that I was having. Um, so it was, it was rather, they keep giving me fluids. They, they already ran fluids for me. So I was feeling a bit better already. Because the fever was very, uh, they they were already treating the fever symptom, right? Um, and then obviously that I was a bit more calm, a bit more relaxed. And then when the doctor, <laughs> and then the doctor came and said, "Yeah, you actually really do have that." I'm like, okay. oh no! <laughs> and then yes. I elevated again, but they were very reassuring, you know. Um, and I think that that is definitely one of the things that I wanna. Well, I I, I can't thank them enough, lah. At least during that time and until today i'm just grateful that all the medical professionals that we have are really amazing yeah and a shout out to those medical professionals who are you know fighting really hard to deal with the coronavirus currently in the world yes and also yes. in singapore i think in singapore we're doing a really good job and i think this story of yours your experience will go a long way for them i was just really fortunate uh, to have gone through sars years ago and and be here to tell the story yeah, and thanks for sharing this story because what you have exhibited will, by sharing this, you also are demonstrating that how you're being able to bounce back from a uh, yep. crisis and you recovered. And I think that for those who are being in quarantine or those who are continuing to confront and battle this virus, there's a lot of things that we need to prepare ourselves mentally, yep. emotionally, that we have to be resilient. And having gone through this ordeal, yeah. uh, your current thoughts or some of your thoughts on what is happening right now with the novel coronavirus? See, see, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, um, having gone through it myself means that I am fully aware of the pain because it was genuinely painful, right? Um, Having having constant you know your fever going up and down and then the, the chest pains and, and the, because of the the inability to breathe properly and uh, and then so on and so forth, which means that um, you know I, I can understand and appreciate why people 
are panicking because they don't want to be in that same situation. I, 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 I don't even wish it on, on my worst enemies, right? Because um, it's terrible. Having, having said that, I think it's also ideal that people should not panic, <laughs> you know, because, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a terrible situation. Um, but I think one thing that I learned from going through that ordeal is that panicking just makes it worse, lah. Right, uh, and it's crying, thinking that you're gonna die. <laughs> it's just it's not mm. helping the situation. Um, but being able to look at it from a bit more of a pragmatic viewpoint and say, look, okay, we are going to take the precautionary measures, uh, but we don't have to get to a point where we are hysterical, right? Um, and I think the other part, as I mentioned just now, the medical professionals uh, here in Singapore uh, are absolutely amazing. Uh, I. Well, I, I, I served time as an ambulance medic, so I can give that perspective as well for two years, right? Um, mm. But that, that being said, you know, from the nurses to the doctors to even just the people outside, you know, at, at the hospital area. Like, I still remember that, that particular Malay lady who took my temperature at uh, Ishun uh, Polyclinic then. Uh, she was very reassuring. Right, she took my temperature. Obviously, it was really high, but she could she could see that my mom was totally hysterical and like, oh, help my son, you know. <laughs> but she was just very cool and calm and collected. And these are people in the front line, despite the fact that they do, they are not technically medical professionals, but they are uh, in the front line. And the ability for them to handle the situation is it's really something that's genuinely admirable, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, sorry, I, I I digressed a bit, but I think in short, um, having gone through the ordeal, like I said. Uh, it, you take the precautionary measures. Um, you do not want to get anything, right? Uh, hopefully, never. Um, but at the same time, there is no need to panic, right? Uh, there's no need to be hysterical. Um, and if you are concerned, just do what's necessary, right? Uh, and I think our, our local government has been very uh, proactive with regards to sharing information, sharing steps, and necessary. As long as you do what's necessary, I think. Hopefully, you know, uh, none, none of us, or uh, I suppose the listeners will have to go through that audio. We can also choose to react or respond to this with compassion and empathy. Yes, 100%. 100%, right? Um, I think, you know, uh, that, that compassion part and empathy, not just towards the... Well, as, as we have established, not just towards the, the patients and the family members who have, got, who have to go through quarantine or anyone who's affected right, by it, um, but also especially to, for example, the medical professionals, you know, um, because they have to go back to their own families as well, right? And uh, they are exposed day in, day out. And, uh, you know, we have heard of, you know, some stories where they were refused service, be it from, you know, like food stalls or different uh, other commercial places but but that's not ideal I think you know having some level of compassion um, and having some level of of, uh, empathy towards all these people who are affected one way or the other uh, is key to ensure that uh, us as a society can beat the virus right because I think that's the only way we can do it if we come together and help each other in, in some form or the other versus panicking and being um, hysterical and, and, yeah. and going out and doing uh, look I mean I've been there right? I know you cannot af- avoid the panicking mm. moment yeah. it is horrendous um, 
but I think it's also because I, I'm on the other side now. I can tell you for, for with certainty that if you remain calm, uh, it should be fine. Right? Yeah. And I mean, let me backtrack a little bit. I wanted to ask you at the start, but I left the question out. Do you, have, okay. uh, do you have any idea how you contracted the virus? Good question. No idea. And I think contact tracing back then is not as uh, as well as as advanced as it is today, right? So I think they did try to, um, but in all honesty, I have no idea. And I don't think I, I don't think they established it at that time. Uh, I think they definitely tried, um, but it came out nowhere because my parents didn't get it, my sister didn't get it. We had close contact with them. Um, it could be a, I don't know, I generally have no idea. Okay, thank you Ashra for sharing and your great story and I hope that um, this story go a long way for those people who are dealing with it and also to a shout to the medical professionals who are doing really a great job yes. in serving and helping everyone to go through these difficult times. As yep. you may be aware, the episode, uh, this episode or this show is called Getting Naked with Happiness, whereby uh, guests will come on the show weekly and to share personal stories and awful tips of resilience. So on that note, I'd like to ask you that what are some of your resilience factors that you think that you have? Or if you could share some resilience, resilience tips uh, for at this moment, what would that be? Um, we're talking about the current situation. Yeah, for the current situation. Um, well, it goes back to essentially the idea that you uh, you mentioned just now, right? It's just having okay. Knowledge is key. I think knowledge allows you to eventually be more resilient because you understand, right? I think a lot of people tend to be a bit more panicky, uh, a bit more anxious, uh, especially when there's a lot of, well, we live in the age of fake news, right? Uh, so if, if you really, you know, listen to the experts, proper experts, equip yourself with the right kind of knowledge, what that essentially allows you to do is to be a bit more Resilient in that sense, purely because you understand, okay, so you're taking all the right necessary steps, all the necessary measures um, based on advice from the experts and that allows you to already become a bit more resilient. But I think it's also about going back to the idea of what you mentioned just now, which is empathy, right? Um, being empathetic to each and everyone within the society, regardless of where you are in the world right now. Um, I I I was in I was in Japan a week ago. Um, everyone was you know still very aware, very uh, uh, conscious about the fact that there is the virus going around. Everyone was very respectful of each other's spaces and things like that. And I think it it should be the case across the globe, wherever that you're listening to this from. <laughs> um, I I think it's it's equipping yourself with the right kind of knowledge. Uh, from the actual experts, not fake news, um, being calm about it and just be empathetic towards others around you. I think it's, it's, it should help you to be, well, hopefully a bit more resilient towards such times that we are living right now. Thank you, Ashraf. Thanks for that tip. And I think my biggest takeaway for this uh, session and chat with you is that knowledge is the key and we yes. can also exercise our strength of empathy and compassion. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's no better way to gain knowledge uh, than to also listen to people like yourself. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's a good way, right? It's, it's just an amazing way. Obviously, this is one topic. There's so many more. So, I, I uh, <clears throat> thank you, Steph, for for inviting me. It's it's a uh, thank you. It's genuinely an amazing uh, initiative. Yeah. Thank you, Ashraf, and thanks for taking your time to be on this show.